You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk all about traveling with kids. But first, let's catch up on life lately, which is about traveling with kids. Yes, we have a special (laughs) joint life lately, a shared experience that Sarah and I had this weekend. We just got back from Colorado. I was there a little bit longer than you because my sister is out there. So it was also a general family vacation in addition to attending a friend's wedding. Yes. And we also went out there, but just for the wedding. Our trip was super quick. We flew out on Friday night, did the wedding on Saturday, flew back on Sunday night. And that was a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Especially with a two-hour time change. Yes. It makes such a big difference with kids because they cannot adjust that quickly. And then you're staying up late they're still waking up very early. Right. That's exactly how it was. (laughs) I just think Pepper, it's just a baby and he just struggles to sleep in new places. And so every time we go away and come back, I feel like we have to re-sleep train him. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So the re-entry piece last night specifically has been not my favorite. We're going to go into more details about the joys and challenges of traveling very soon, but let's share our favorite part of the weekend experience, which was our friend learning to play the piano and surprising his wife. But you need more details to fully appreciate how amazing it was. So we have this friend from college that we played Ultimate Frisbee with, and we're really lucky that he stayed a dear friend all along. And something that we have all always known about him, and really probably everyone who went to school with us at Hendrix knows this about this friend. Mm -hmm. That he is really terrible musically. Like, he can't clap to a beat. Terrible. Yes. No sense of rhythm. Zero sense of Mm -hmm. rhythm. He's tone deaf. Absolutely. As he is standing up at his reception, he's just married his new wife, whom we also really enjoy. People behind him are wheeling in a grand piano. And we're like, hmm, what's going to happen? And Mm -hmm. what did you (laughs) think was going to happen at that point, Sarah? At that point, I thought it was just the regular that they were having piano music. I thought it was a regular part of the wedding that they just happened to be wheeling it in while he was thanking everybody. I didn't quite get that it was going to be a thing at that point. So when they were wheeling it in, I was like, huh, that's interesting. And so he's talking about how his wife loves the piano and plays the piano and has played the piano for a long time and how much she loves classical music. I thought that he had bought her the piano as a gift, Mm -hmm. and was going to have, like you said, piano music at the reception as a special treat. But then he kept talking. He did. He said it was a magic piano and that it could grant wishes, and there were three options, have professional musicians play, that it is her piano to keep, or have him play her a song. So of course she chooses option three, and he sits down and starts playing music. (laughs) And at that point, I looked at Andrew and I said, wait, is it a player piano? You know, is it one of those that has Mm -hmm. the digital thing that makes it sound like you're playing, but you're not Mm -hmm. actually playing? Because really, that's what Neil thought too. I thought there was no chance that he was actually playing the piano. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And he played three songs, which culminated in playing Better Together by Jack Johnson and having a professional musician come sing while he's playing the piano. Mm -hmm. It was so lovely. I feel like we cannot do it justice, but tears were streaming down everyone's faces. It was really emotional. And so it turns out 
that he had been taking piano lessons in secret mm-hmm. for a year. Multiple times a week. <laughs> in order to be able to surprise his new wife in this way. And everyone else there, he didn't tell any family. He didn't tell any friends. Right. It was a surprise to every person in the room. I just don't think I'm very good at keeping secrets. I don't think I could keep a secret like that for an entire year. Not a happy secret, because I just want to share it, because I'm so excited about it. Yeah. That part was incredible about it, the secret part. He was very competent on the piano. Yeah, he sounded great. Much more competent than I am. Granted, he only played three things, but Mm -hmm. I was really impressed. And... Not just with the musical piece of it, but that he had the rhythm down and it sounded like a Mm -hmm. real song because Sarah was right about the clapping earlier. That piece. (laughs) It's just like, how did he suddenly find a beat in his Mm -hmm. life? Just maybe the most romantic thing that I have ever witnessed in my life. Agreed. And his piano teacher was there and then ended up playing the song for them to dance to at the beginning. And she also talked about what it was like to teach him and (laughs) said that it was one of the biggest challenges she's ever faced as a teacher, (laughs) learning how to explain things that most people intuitively know. That was not the case for our dear friend, whom we love very much. (laughs) We were just really thankful to get to celebrate with them. And witnessing this humongous romantic surprise was the icing on the wedding cake. Let's move into talking about what we've been reading. What is the latest book you'd like to share? I want to talk about The Birth House by Amy McKay. This is a novel set in Canada in the early 1900s. It's mostly a story about Dora Rare, who's a child at the beginning of the book, and then it sort of follows her throughout her life to the epilogue when she's a very old lady. And This is a small rural community in Nova Scotia. Dora is taken on as an apprentice for the lay midwife in this village. And then lots of things happen. So time moves forward. Things change. A doctor comes into town and builds a maternity home to encourage people to have their babies there. People can buy in. There's stuff about money. There's stuff about should we trust the lay midwife? Is she a witch kind of situation? Mm. There's all this stuff around who do we trust around women and childbearing? And what are the relationships between the women in the town like? And what say do the men have in these choices about women's bodies and how they bring babies into the world? So lots of talk of birth and babies. I read this early postpartum and I was super into it. (laughs) I loved how the passage of time was marked in the book, both in the lives of the individual characters and in the life of the town and how things were changing in terms of technology and what people are choosing for their lives. Also, the Canadian setting reminded me of Anne of Green Gables. So I looked and I'm terrible at geography, but Anne of Green Gables is Prince Edward Island, which is right by Nova Scotia. Yes. And it's sort of a similar vibe, which is so interesting to have two books that are so different, Mm -hmm. but yet evoke the same sense of place. I would say that this book is a little bit more mysterious, almost toward creepy spiritual stuff than Anne of Green Gables. Mm. Anne of Green Gables tends to be a little bit sunnier. But the feeling that I had about the sense of place in the book was so similar, which I really loved. I would recommend this book, but I do want to caution people that this is not a book that's friendly 
to doctors and medical care. Okay. It is very pro-midwifery, and that's a sort of point of view that I agree with, so it worked for me, but I don't mm-hmm. know that it would be an easy read for people, especially because even though it's set years ago, so much of those conversations around women's health and women's bodies are still relevant. That might be hard for some folks, but it was a pretty quick read. It was a pretty compelling read, and otherwise I would recommend it. Sounds fascinating, and it's making me think about a previous read, Midwives Mm. by Chris Bojalian, which I've forgotten so many of the details, but just it was set in New England and had to do with this tension between midwives and the medical community and Mm. what is the safest way for women to have children. I have also read that book, but I was really young and don't remember much of it, but I have been on somewhat of a midwifery reading kick, so maybe I'll Mm -hmm. go back to that one. And we can talk about more in depth on the pod. Report back. (laughs) Refresh my memory. Okay, good. (laughs) What have you been reading, Sarah? I'm going to talk about a book I read way back in February, but I didn't want to talk about it then, so I'm talking about it now. (laughs) It is the book Flat by Catherine Guthrie, and it is a breast cancer memoir. I read this in the days after I was diagnosed, which probably reveals a lot about my personality that I'm seeking (laughs) that out immediately. (laughs) It actually hit a little closer to home than I was thinking because she was living in Bloomington, Indiana when she was diagnosed Mm. and then ended up having surgery in Indianapolis, which is also where I went. And she's talking about different care providers and uh, different aspects of my experience that were not just similar, but likely the same. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) She is a queer woman, and I loved how that informed her perspective about breast cancer and the medical community and how gender normative so much of our conversation Mm. around it is, which isn't something I've really put any thought into before I had breast cancer. But hearing her articulated in that way, I could see it very clearly as I went through my own treatment. She talks a lot about the way that the medical community doesn't view women as being whole unless they have breasts and that Mm. there's this push for reconstruction. And so- what does it mean to be whole and to be a woman? And how do we define femininity in our culture in the face of this disease? Yeah. I don't think her memoir changed my decisions. I was really seeking out experiences of women who had chosen to go flat. And this is one of the first things that I found. Mm -hmm. But I do think it gave me this confidence and clarity around the different messages I was hearing and helped Mm. me think through it in a way that was incredibly helpful. Yeah, sounds like a gift. The only thing I didn't love just about the writing is a very small thing, which is there were lots of descriptions of place that felt a little bit extra to me, but that might just be because the place that I was in, I really wanted to stay in the meat of it and hear Mm. about those experiences. And also I live here, so it felt redundant. Right, because you are living it every day. (laughs) Yes. So I might not have thought that if I were a different person in a different place reading the same book. Fair. (laughs) I would recommend it. I would offer caution if you are somebody who is going through something serious medically that her care providers make some very serious mistakes in her treatment and definitely made me, if not lose confidence in the medical community, at least recognize their limitations Mm -hmm. and how human they are, which isn't a good thing to feel when you're putting your life in their hands. Yeah, sounds really hard. 
Overall, I felt a great connection to her writing and her experience, and I am so grateful that she put it out in the world. Our main segment today is Fresh on Our Minds. It's all about (laughs) traveling with our children. Let's start by sharing what traveling looks like at this current moment in our family's lives. Things are rough travel-wise in our family. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of stuff that we have to bring everywhere. People have a lot of needs. I think both of our kids are better than average travelers, but it turns out that traveling is just hard with a three and a half year old and a six month old. True. That is true for both the actual travel. So going from point A to point B, Mm -hmm. but then also being there, it just feels so much harder. And I think we've talked about this before that it's never a vacation. It's always a family trip. Right. It's parenting, not in your regular space. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a less safe space. Maybe it's just different. You don't have your room darkening shades. People aren't sleeping as well. People are sleeping in the bed with you when normally they would sleep just fine in their own bed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it just is a lot to leave our home with our children. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, friend? I would say that I would have very different thoughts if we were recording this episode in July after I completed what I would consider to be one of my worst experiences traveling with my children, (laughs) because this last trip was probably our best experience traveling with children. So I'm feeling great about it at the moment. And it's also really nice for me to see you having progress in your life, Mm -hmm. because I feel like I'm so in it with the really young children that you're just a little bit ahead of me and there's Mm -hmm. a glimmer of hope there. Yes, things are so much easier. There were so many moments on this trip where I would think that exact thought in my head and think, cherish this. This is so much better. Appreciate what you have. Mm. For example, at the airport, E and I walked into the bathroom, each went into our own stalls, came back out, washed our hands, and went on our merry way. Mm. I did not have an infant in the carrier while I was trying to pee with a toddler on the ground, curious about what's happening in the other stalls while having his face pressed against the bathroom floor. So that felt much better. Uh-huh. That sounds very familiar to me. Mm-hmm. On the airplane, I finished a book on the way out there. Mm. I made a lot of progress on another book on the way back. That did not happen in the early years of parenting. Yeah. My kids aren't napping, so they can be so much more flexible. They can stay up later. They can go with the flow. Not 100%, but 100% more than they could before. So (laughs) I'll take it. I also had the thought when we were lining up for the airplane, and with Southwest, they let all the A group board, and then there's family boarding. Right. And I thought, do we qualify for family boarding anymore, or are we supposed to just be in the line with everybody else? Hmm. Turns out we still do qualify. It's children six and under. Okay. But our time of that is coming to an end, which honestly is great in terms of having self-sufficient travelers. Yeah, totally. That's what's happening right now. What do you see when you look into your future of traveling? I'm having a hard time visualizing the far future. (laughs) (laughs) Just in life in general? Yeah. Related to traveling. Also related to traveling. Both and, I would say. Mm -hmm. So we've done two really long car trips to Birmingham to check out schools and housing this year, in addition to a long car trip in the beach. So that's Mm -hmm. three long car trips within about three months. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really looking forward to not having to do that 
again soon after we do our big move, which will be a thing in and of itself. (laughs) Yes. I'm looking forward to having family a little closer by, maybe having a little more mental space to plan the travel, having just a little bit older baby I think will help. Mm -hmm. The near future I think looks like slightly less travel and hopefully just a tiny bit easier as we go. And I think we've talked about in a previous episode how when it feels so hard, it doesn't feel worth the money to plan these big, expensive trips that we may or may not enjoy. Yes. Which is something I felt a lot. Do I want to spend that much on a hotel for us all not to sleep and just be miserable? Nope. Sure don't. Hard pass. (laughs) For us, we have a few summer trips lined up for next year, mostly related to family things, either getting together with Neil's family. I have a cousin who's going to graduate high school and we'll probably go to that. But they should be fun trips, too. Just they're not family vacations in the Mm. sense of we're planning a trip just to take a trip, the four of us. Right. And we really haven't done very much of that. That is something that I do see in the future. As we're getting to this easier phase, as it's starting to feel more fun, it makes me want to do that and look forward to it Mm. and not dread it. Because up till now, it's really been visiting family, attending a family event, That's mostly it. (laughs) Yeah, that's basically what we've done too. Though Andrew's family has a very strong tradition of going to the beach every year. Mm -hmm. And that's something that we have done ourselves and have tried to sort of start within our own immediate family. I think there will be more of that. And actually, I think in terms of enjoying, the beach trip is one that I enjoy more than most other trips because it's a known quantity. Mm -hmm. We go to the same beach every year. We try and get really close to the same house, if not the same exact rental house. The beach is really fun for our kids. So they really enjoy the sand. They really enjoy the water. And it's Mm -hmm. sort of like things are already set for the day. Mm -hmm. So that's less stressful than being somewhere new sightseeing and figuring out restaurants because a lot of it is already settled. Yes. Feels like it's not just easier when you're there, but easier on you on the planning. Yes, totally. Because I do not love the planning part of travel. Mm -hmm. The exception to what I said is that my mom and I have been taking trips with the kids that are more like that family vacation. Oh, yeah. She likes traveling more than Neil does, Mm. so gets more enjoyment out of it. And so it's a really fun thing that she and I get to do with our kids. My hopes for the future are to establish more traditions like what you're saying, even if it's not to the same place, to Mm. do some kind of family trip every year, even if it's we're going different places that we know that our family of four is going to do something together. I also have dreams of spending time in Europe in the summers, which Mm. are just dreams right now. I used to want to spend a whole year, but with Neil's work situation, that isn't something that's likely to work out for us. Mm -hmm. But spending a whole month in one place and doing small trips from there and really getting to know one spot sounds very appealing to me. Yes, that's appealing to me, too, if I am really daring to dream about the far future, which I'm not Mm -hmm. much these days. (laughs) Maybe we could coordinate, Sarah. We Mm. could go. That would be amazing. (laughs) To Europe for a month with our families. Mm -hmm. Sharing a house or a little townhomes next door to each other. Maybe let's just leave the men at home and you and I can just go with the kids. I'm here for it. We've given a general overview of what's been happening with our families, but what would you say is your biggest challenge while traveling? I think for us, the biggest is being out of our routine 
mm-hmm. and really long days in the car. So that's sort of two sides of the same coin that a really long day in the car is really far out of the routine. Right. And my kids are used to having freedom of movement and eating the food that we eat every day that helps mm-hmm. keep things regular in terms of toileting. And I mean, when we are in the car all day, Pepper basically won't nurse because he's too distracted when we stop. Mm-hmm. And so then he's starving whenever we get where we're going. And then Plum, which we'll talk about later, basically just wants to eat garbage food all day, which I mean, I'm here for some garbage food, but then that mm-hmm. doesn't help right in terms of toileting and it doesn't help in terms of resting. It's just kind of everything's a mess body systems wise. So I think maybe the younger the kids are, the more delicate the body systems are. And so when they mm-hmm. get thrown off, then it takes longer to come back from. Though I don't do great with digestion when I'm traveling either. So, you know, eating different food and restaurant food and stuff. So maybe it's the digestion piece for us. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, I don't have similar strong feelings about that as a challenge. Interesting. Yeah, maybe there's something that I could be doing <laughs> to manage that better, but I'm not. So right now, that's real hard. <laughs> What's your biggest challenge, Sarah? Mine is being places where my children are expected to have appropriate behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Specifically, that would be hotels and restaurants. And I think that's part of what was so challenging on the trip this summer. There were so many great parts of that trip. When I look back on it, I can see all of these great pieces, but it's that half an hour or hour of every day that was not great that is burned into my brain. (laughs) Right. And Being at a hotel, I don't know what it is about this smaller space and there's this really intense energy and the ability to listen just disappears for my children. It's very challenging for them together that they really amp each other up and it's really like nothing can break through. Mm. And that is just hard when you're in a more public place, like a restaurant, where it's just, I can see that what needs to happen is diffusing the situation and really separating them. They do great on their own. They're Mm -hmm. perfectly, perfectly is a stretch. They are well behaved on their own. Mm -hmm. But when they're together, they just, I don't know, things fall apart. And part of that is like you're saying, the routine is off. So everything's just different. Everything's new. We're all out of sorts. And then we go into these places where in many ways, my expectations are higher than they would be at home. Mm -hmm. Like You can act a fool when you're in our house and be loud, just go in a different place away from me. But when we're in someone else's space or where we're out in public, you can't be doing that. Mm -hmm. And normally they would understand that, but I think it's just hard to maintain that for a kid all day long. And then you throw in sleep changes Mm -hmm. and time difference, and it's just a hot mess. Mm -hmm. And this trip, we stayed with my sister every night except for the last night when we got an airport hotel, and that was the hardest part. Being in the hotel for the few hours, we were not even there very long. We were there mm-hmm. 30 minutes before we went to bed and then woke up and left to catch a very early flight. Yeah. I was like, oh, yes. Yes, I do hate staying in hotels with my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where being at my sister's house didn't feel like that. Do you think that's because you have more space, sort of more separation? Yeah. And I don't know if part of it is that I put this expectation on my kids. Like, we don't want to bother anybody. We don't want to disturb other people. Be respectful, be respectful, be respectful. When we're at my sister's house, it's not that they're being disrespectful. It's like I'm less worried about it. And Mm. so I think that it's also has to do with my energy in contrast to theirs. And then it makes it worse instead of better. 
Fair. Where we're just relaxed when we're at my sister's house. And they weren't doing anything unreasonable at her house. I can't think of anything that I was saying, stop jumping on this or don't climb on that. Or they Mm -hmm. were just behaving like normal people at a home. (laughs) Yeah. As you would hope. I have been really grateful that Airbnb is a thing now. Yeah. Because rather than staying in a hotel room Mm -hmm. with all four members of our family, we've been able to find some really good Airbnbs that have two bedrooms. Mm -hmm. And it's just so nice to have a bedroom that Plum can go in at night and sleep in Mm -hmm. on her own. And you can avoid the other thing I hate, which is restaurants. So (laughs) yes. And having the kitchen is crucial or even just Mm -hmm. getting takeout. Yes. Agreed. Let's talk specifics about road trips. Do you have any tips and tricks for making it through a long drive with young kids? You have a deep well of experience to draw on (laughs) from your recent adventures. The first strategy is to leave early in the day. Mm -hmm. We try to leave by 7 a.m. for road trips because the closer we're driving to bedtime, the more untenable the situation becomes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's the first thing. The second thing, I'm actually wondering if it's related to my biggest challenge of digestion, which is that we just load up the snacks and the candy. (laughs) And so maybe I'm actually contributing to this problem, which I've just put together here now recording this podcast. So great job, me, but I'm not going to stop pumping my kid full of gummy bears. So fair. It's too bad. And the last thing is screens. We stopped offering TV at home in June, Mm -hmm. but you better believe we pulled out the iPad and the old iPhone for all the driving that we've done this summer. Just get that Daniel Tiger going on repeat. I think Plum watched nine episodes of Daniel Tiger because that was all we had downloaded. Mm -hmm. And she said, my Daniel Tiger stopped. I said, okay, well, we're almost there. (laughs) Nice. Also, I have a history of bribing my kid with TV to get her to nap, mm-hmm. and that works really well in the car. I tell her if mm-hmm. she takes a good rest in the car, then she can watch Daniel Tiger when she wakes up. So do you not let her have it before that? Yes. Okay. I did once, and that was a fatal mistake. <laughs> On one of the legs this summer, uh-huh. I let her have the iPhone, because I had downloaded from Hoopla. The Hoopla app has these mm-hmm. little video books mm. that's basically books, but they're kind of animated. So it's like you're watching a video, but it's also like you're just reading a book. So it's slightly animated, but mm-hmm. not fully, if that makes sense. It does. And I let her have the phone for those early in the trip. And that was probably our worst leg okay. ever. <laughs> what are your road trip tips and tricks? Our family is all about the audio. For HP, he loves sparkle stories, but E is finally at an age where she loves them too. So mm. that's been great. We've also discovered playaways at the library where you just get the little audio player and all it does is play one book. Oh, Yeah. HP has used that for Little House on the Prairie because he loves those. And he'll listen for hours Mm. if it's something that he's interested in. And that's nice because we don't have very many devices as a family. What we have currently is a halfway broken smartphone of mine. And that's (laughs) it. So having the playaway is nice, one, because they can't do anything else but that. But two, it just means that somebody somebody else can be using the phone. (laughs) The halfway broken phone. 
<laughs> yes, it's still available then. Uh- <laughs> on the trip to Ohio, we also listened to an audiobook as a family on the CD player, mm. which was great. My mom, HP, and I were really into it. We listened to Frindle. Oh, I love Frindle. Which is a classic. I had never read it before. Loved it. Oh, I read it like five times as a kid. E is not quite ready for that. So I'm really looking forward to the day when we can all, as a family, listen to books that we enjoy and pass the time that way. Yeah, that'll be awesome. I think we'll, we have reached a new level when that happens. Absolutely. What E does love is lots of music. So we listen to a lot of Rafi and the Wiggles, many times with songs on repeat, which luckily doesn't really bother me as a human. Yeah, I'm into that. Yep. I'm fine with it. (laughs) Keeping everybody happy. Let's just keep going with oats and beans and barley. That's a family favorite. (laughs) It lasts less than 90 seconds, so (laughs) you can get in a lot of times on a trip. (laughs) We are also about the snacks. We often have things in the car that we don't have other times. And one year we got lollipops, and those were really great in terms of how long it takes to eat them. Mm. So that actually got a longer period of time than another snack that can be inhaled in seconds. Right. There is a stickiness factor. I'm willing to deal with that to get some quiet, happy car time. How do your kids feel about the stickiness? Because I feel like Plum has just started to not like to be sticky. Mm -hmm. She'll gladly eat sweets and candy. And then Mm -hmm. she's kind of upset that she's sticky. We are coping with that with baby wipes right now. Right. But... Yeah, I think they either, one, don't mind it too much, and two, they're getting older where they are getting less sticky. They're better able to manage those things without making a giant mess. Yeah, we're probably at peak stickiness now. Yes, I think so. And I think it bothers me more than them, that they would Mm. still touch everything with their sticky selves, (laughs) but I do not want that to happen. So, Especially not the one broken phone. (laughs) Yes. And we did use a tablet for one trip. It was when we went to go visit you. It was just me and E, and it was 10 hours of driving time. And we Mm. were doing it in one day both ways. So I borrowed a friend's Kindle, and it was pretty amazing (laughs) to have her be entertained for a long stretch of time. I told her, E, you were such a good traveler on this trip. She said, yes, that's because I really like looking at the screen. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, great. Okay. Noted. We stopped screens after we got back because I felt like she had had so much in that short time span, but 100% worth it on that trip. When they have each other, I also just feel like they can entertain each other and that it becomes less essential because we've taken a few trips since then and have not had screens and it's been reasonable. Yeah, I feel like that's something else I have to look forward to is the siblings in the back seat hanging out. Mm-hmm. Both look forward to and be wary of. I'll just say that... The biggest troubles come from frustrations with who has what and all the rest of it. But there is an upside that comes with it also. (laughs) Fair enough. Yep. That leads into a general travel tip that I have, which cannot be executed very well in a plane or in a car or other (laughs) confined space. But to separate siblings when possible. Mm. Both of my kids do so well individually, but just have a really hard time making good choices together when we're traveling specifically. Uh, Rather than me telling them over and over and over to calm down, which (laughs) shockingly has little to no effect, (laughs) it's better just to have them 
each get a little bit of space and reset and then come back together. What travel tips do you have for flying? It has worked really well for us to book flights at bedtime so that the kids will sleep. Sometimes that backfires, but for the most Mm -hmm. part, that's worked really well. We also have always bought our children's seats on planes, which is expensive, but worth it for us because we bring their car seats on Mm -hmm. and then strap them in. So then they're contained, number one. So even if they're not sleeping, we say the seatbelt sign is on. You have to keep your seatbelt buckled. I have my seatbelt buckled. You have to stay in your seat and be buckled. And then I think that's also nicer for them for sleeping. Mm -hmm. I mean, Pepper, for one, doesn't sleep really anywhere very well except in his crib and some in his car seat. Like he hasn't slept on us in months. Mm -hmm. So trying to take him on a plane Mm -hmm. and then hold him while he slept Mm -hmm. was really just not going to work. Plus he's huge. So that would be really hard on me. Like there would be no way that I could do anything myself (laughs) if my job were holding Pepper while he slept. Yes. What about your flying tips and tricks? We found that being willing to pay more for direct flights and decent Mm -hmm. times Mm -hmm. is almost always worth it. Yes. Your philosophy of flying at bedtime is not for me. (laughs) Fair enough. As it is my bedtime also. And (laughs) I feel really sad just imagining traveling late. And my patience is generally very limited at the end of the day. Mm. And then to add on traveling on top of that, just imagining it and it's not looking pretty. (laughs) In terms of things that entertain my kids, I think it's the things that entertain all kids, which are the moving walkways. Oh, yeah. Number of rounds on those. And then my kids are really entertained just looking out the plane window. So that's what we did on these trips. I read my book in the middle seat. They ate snacks and looked out the window. It was lovely. Sounds like a good time. I am sure that anyone who has traveled with young children has uh, tales to tell of the horror that they have endured, (laughs) (laughs) along with the joys. But let's focus on the horror for the moment. What are your worst travel experiences with your kids? I told a story on the podcast last year that we tried a red eye with Plum Mm -hmm. last summer (laughs) when she was newly two years old, and that was hellish. Mm -hmm. The first flight was at her bedtime, but she didn't sleep the whole time. And then she was just awake in the Denver airport wanting to do the moving sidewalk at Mm -hmm. (laughs) 1 a.m. or some nonsense like that. The most recent horror story is that On the first Birmingham road trip of this summer, Pepper was just about three months old, and he screamed the last three hours of our trip home. Mm -hmm. We stopped pretty frequently in that three hours to sort of check on him and make sure he wasn't uncomfortable and wet and hungry. But basically, whenever we would stop and take him out of his car seat, he would just smile and you know, sort of visit with us. Mm -hmm. And then he would just start screaming again when we put him back in. So he was just done with the trip. As were we all at that point. (laughs) (laughs) It was pretty awful. Wasn't that the trip with the ants that you found in the That was a really terrible trip sort of from the get-go that morning because we had been driving around Birmingham looking at neighborhoods and Plum got car sick, which she really hasn't before. But because there are so many hills and the roads were windy, we started out with a stop about an hour in to clean her up and then realized at another stop that somehow we had ants in the car, which was really puzzling. I don't really know where they came from or how they got there. So that was horrible. And then 
Pepper screaming. Another recent trip, Pepper also screamed at night, so much so that Andrew found a CVS and bought earplugs. (laughs) It's been a rough go. Uh What are your horror stories? Our very worst travel experience was on the way back from Oregon two summers ago. It was on our anniversary. Happy anniversary! (laughs) Indeed. The first flight went smoothly from Portland to Chicago. Everything was going swimmingly. We arrive in Chicago, and our flight is delayed. And then delayed again. And then delayed again. Mm. And this just keeps going. And at this point, we're past our kids' bedtime. And two years younger is a really big difference for our kids. Now, I feel like we'd be able to hang a little bit better. Yeah. It was not great. And what was exceptionally frustrating is we're only three and a half hours from Chicago. Mm. So at that point, we were going to need to rent a car anyway when we got to Indy because we had had a friend who was going to pick us up at the somewhat reasonable hour of 930, maybe 10 o'clock. Right. But we weren't going to ask her to come once it started looking like it was going to be one in the morning, two in the morning, three in the morning. Who even knows? Mm -hmm. So we canceled that ride. So if we were going to rent a car anyway, it would have been so much faster to just get the car in Chicago. But since our bags are already checked, you can't just abandon your bags and get in a rental car and start (laughs) driving somewhere. Right. So we just had to wait. The kids didn't sleep. They are not very flexible sleepers. They finally fell asleep on the flight once we'd actually gotten on there. At that point, I don't even remember what hour it was. We landed in Indy in the middle of the night in the morning, (laughs) carrying sleeping children with us. We had the conversation. They were both asleep. Should we try and stop at the bathroom immediately, or should we just get down to baggage claim and deal with everything there? Made the choice to go to baggage claim. There was a child who peed on a parent (laughs) while asleep during that situation. It was not great. And then it was hard to find a rental car because the places weren't open because it's the middle of the night. And that's... The little kiosk wasn't working, and then trying to find the person in the giant parking garage, finally found somebody. The only cars they had left were luxury vehicles or a 16-passenger van. So, got a luxury vehicle (laughs) and drove home into the sunrise, arriving just as the sun was coming up at 6 a.m. That was miserable. Everyone knows how much I hate not sleeping. There was no sleeping. So uncomfortable and just miserable. Yeah, that truly sounds hellish. Yes. Then we were home. I would rather have it on that end than the start to the trip. Oh, definitely. It was just like, if we could just make it home. And then we did and could get back into our rhythm eventually. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's more awful travel experiences, but I think I've blocked them out so that I will keep traveling again in the future. Yeah, it's the only way. (laughs) It is. On the flip side, do you have any best travel moments that you want to share? We did have a really sweet time in Colorado this weekend. My mom came up and met us to keep the kids. The weather was really beautiful. We ate some really good food. Mm -hmm. And it was just really nice to have a little break from the heat where we are Mm -hmm. and to enjoy a really beautiful place as a family. We also had a really good trip to Colorado. As I said earlier, I think it's our best family trip. HP and E both really enjoy being in nature. HP especially, he is just so at home outside. And so getting to explore these really beautiful places that are so different than where we are, is just really special to watch the kids enjoying that. Mm-hmm. And Neil and I also enjoy it. So it feels like getting to share this thing that we love with them. Yeah. And 
now that they're at the ages where they can go on slightly longer hikes and stay out longer without there being meltdowns, it feels like we're truly having fun as a family. The dream. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad I feel that way because after our summer trip, I came home and I'm pretty sure I texted you and said, I am never leaving Bloomington again in my you life. You did. You did text me that. <laughs> but I am glad that that memory has faded. I can think of the highlights and that we're having more positive experiences now. I think that wraps up our conversation around travel. We would love to hear from listeners if you have tips and tricks or if you just want to commiserate, please reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Let's wrap up by sharing something we've been eating lately. I'm going to share a travel snack. Special shout out to Kelsey of the Girl Next Door podcast. She sent me a care package this spring and included these truffle Marcona almonds Mm. from Trader Joe's. And they are delicious. We do not have a Trader Joe's near us, but in Colorado, there was one. Bought two packs, have already eaten one. I love nuts and the truffleness. Mmm, so good. They're so savory, right? Like, this is the mm-hmm. perfect thing because it's so savory. Yes, highly recommend. What have you been eating? I actually want to share a beverage suggestion. This is a recipe that comes from my dad. It's a beer garita. And I think it's hard to make margaritas at home that are good. I do not love the pre made margarita mix. Fair. So, this solves that problem. You use a can of frozen limeade concentrate. You dump that in your pitcher or whatever. Then you fill up the juice can with tequila. Dump that in. Then you pour a beer in. Then you pour in a can of seltzer or club soda. Mm -hmm. You mix it up. It's the perfect margarita. It's not as sweet as normal margaritas. If you salt your rim of your glass, you get sort of even more of a savory experience. I feel like the beer... And the club soda or seltzer fizziness is a nice um, mouthfeel for this beverage. I will warn that they are strong. Mm -hmm. Do not drink these and plan to drive. But they're great for happy hour on Friday night at your house. You made these for us when I was visiting you this spring. And we enjoyed ourselves. (laughs) We did. And I do not love beer, but this was a quite pleasant drinking experience. And I'll say that the best beer to use is... uh, sort of mild Mexican beer. This is not something you want to put like an IPA or a porter in. That would not taste good. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. You can find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Mm-hmm. Zero tone, sense tone of, yes, tone deaf is how we say that. <laughs> so that was special. But I'll just mention in the what I recommend to like be aware that things go drastically wrong. So maybe don't read it on your birthday when you have breast cancer. But... Okay, PSA. Did you say fallible? Yeah, it's kind of sounded like valuable from my end. Oh, I don't. I did say valuable. What should I say instead? Fall- Our... Fallible. Fallible. Is... There we go. Okay, but it's infallible, isn't that right? Infallible.
Infallible. I think it's fallible. I'm just saying them all wrong. I'm just saying Let's, it wrong my Let whole me life. Google that too. <laughs> fallible. <laughs> fallible. Capable of making mistakes. Fallible. Fallible. Okay. <clears throat> if not loose confidence made me see how human and fallible. Now I can't do it. Fall- fallible? Fallible. Fall- fallible? Fallible. Fallible. Yeah, I don't know now. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to Kelsey, who sent me these in a care package, the string. Let me see. First of all, I won't say string. I'll also say where she's from. 